Welcome to the Gone Forum podcast. I'm your host, Nazim Zeke. And today I'm pleased to have someone who I'm, I'm happy to call my friend. I met him while hiking a volcano, not the one you see behind me. Um, he's, a, he's a hero, a nurse, and he just came, came off a shift. I'm happy, appreciate you making time for me today. Uh, please welcome Matt from Canada. Hey Naz, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's uh, it's really nice to see you. You know, Always, backpacking, backpacking yeah, the best well, memories of my life, and uh, to reconnect with the people you meet is just uh, it's one of the warmest feelings to to you know reconnect with someone like that. It's like absolutely, like, man. I, all the way from Guatemala. Last time I saw you, I think was we were you was leaving Samuk. You left the day yeah. before I did. Um, but yeah, man, uh, it's, uh, always a pleasure to see you and, uh, how, how have you been? I've been good. Um, you know, it's, the world's just been a different place since we last met. Um, you know, being a nurse, uh, in a pandemic, it's a bit of a, you know, it, so, it's a challenge at times. Sometimes I think about that trip. We took it in November of 2019. So we're, it was like pretty much the last trip you could have before traveling is essentially just changed forever. Absolutely. And a miracle we didn't get trapped out there. You know, yeah. Like, uh, but in hindsight, I'm, I'm glad we went on it, man. Me too. I hadn't traveled for over a year before that. I was, I was out of the game for a bit. And uh, yeah, it was just nice to, to get out there again, you know. So before we get into Guatemala, tell me, so what about uh, growing up in Canada? Uh, I think you told me like Vancouver area uh, that got you more into traveling or more specifically like solo traveling and backpacking. Yeah, well, you know, it's um, Canada. I, I grew up on uh, Vancouver Island. It's uh, just across from Vancouver. You have to take a ferry about an hour and a half. Um, the, you know, the, one of the biggest issues of traveling in Canada is it's, it's so expensive. There are, um, only, I think like three major airlines. So, um, you know, the, for the price of me flying Vancouver to, to Toronto, you know, I could probably pay the same and go to Thailand for a round trip. So, yeah, um, yeah, airfare in Canada is, it's, it's quite expensive. And so a lot of Canadians are sad to say they don't get to see their own country, um, you know, just due to the cost, but it's uh, nice to just go out and see the world for, you know, the same or the, the less. Same or, or, you know, I, I, that's why I gravitated backpacking opposed to traveling in the U.S. for other reasons that, that we'll get into later. But for the most part, it's like, if I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon, I could, I going to Guatemala would be a cheaper trip. So it's like, um, it's interesting um, how that, you know, comes comes to comes to be. Before we get into Guatemala again, uh, tell me what countries have you been to thus far? Um, well, I've been to Southeast Asia a few times. Um, you know, I went to Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia in 2016. I went to the Philippines, Indonesia, Singapore in 2017. Wow. Uh, you know, growing up as a kid, my parents always, uh, they, they took me down to Mexico, a few islands in the Caribbean, uh, Jamaica, nice. uh, St. Martin, St. Thomas, the Bahamas, uh, Barbados. Okay. And, um, you know, the States aren't, isn't very far away. Um, I've done plenty of trips down to California, just being on the West Coast, um, even driving down there. Uh, over to Washington and Seattle for, okay. you know, 
occasional Blue Jays and Mariners games. Nice. Those are always fun. Um, only time you can really see a Canadian baseball team too when you're on the West Coast. Oh, true. Uh, yeah, Oregon, Hawaii, Florida. Um, those are about pretty much the places I've been. And then I decided to cruise down to Central America. Um, yeah, I guess November 2019. And nice. Yeah, then so, Nicaragua. Then Nicaragua. Okay. Nice. Nicaragua, El Salvador, and then Guatemala. Okay. So what drew you to the Central America region and to do that trip you, you did? Uh, so tell me again, it was El Salvador and Nicaragua and Guatemala. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'd been to Asia a few times uh, and, you know, the North, there's so much of North America. There's uh, so much in Central America, South America, and, uh, you know, I don't have to take a trans-Pacific flight to get there. So um, yeah. um, I thought maybe just stay on the same continent and uh, check it out. It's warm, it's uh, vibrant with culture, and that's just kind of what drew me there. Absolutely. So how, how about the volcano? So I'll tell you, climbing that volcano was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. I've done some, some difficult things, uh, but though it was, I, I found it extremely difficult, there were people way ahead of me. There were people way behind me. I was like somewhere in the middle of the pack, if you recall. But you was all the way in front. You was you was with the 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 experienced hikers. So, uh, <laughs> but talk to me. How uh, was hiking a Tetanango uh, for you and that experience? Honestly, I'd have to say it's one of the hardest hikes I've I've had to do in my life. Uh, growing up in Canada, we have tons of hikes, but um, nowhere near that kind of elevation. Um, altitude, altitude sickness was a huge factor. Uh, for yeah. a lot somebody you know, went, somebody went down. Um, we got him back, but uh, yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I'm not a hiker at all. Like that's probably maybe like the fifth or sixth hike I've ever done and definitely nothing to that altitude. Um, do you hike often? Can you compare that to some of like some other hikes that you've been on in other countries? Um, to be honest, I, that was the, that was the first time I did a really serious, um, high elevation hike in, uh, a foreign country, uh, you know, here at home, I, we've done, I've done plenty of hikes in the parks. Um, you know, the Strathcona park, uh, I've, I've been to remote areas like Della Falls in Canada, one of the tallest waterfalls in, in the country. Um, but never was I ever challenged to go as high as almost nearly 4,000 meters above yeah. sea level. And, you know, some people we were talking to on that hike, they were taking um, acetazolamide. They were taking anti-altitude pills. They were prepared. Yeah. They, they uh, maxed out uh, some drugs uh, just, to, <laughs> yeah. just to proactively treat the altitude sickness. And, um, you know, when you start getting into medications for just even hiking, just to get you through it that's uh, entirely a, a different level of hiking so um yeah i was i was charging up the hill but i was gassed i was gassed, gassed. yeah, yeah that, that makes me feel better it was so cold at the top too i thought just being above the clouds for me was like the coolest part that first the first day we got up there and it was like the sun was setting and uh yeah just sitting right above the clouds i thought and you could hear the, you couldn't see the volcano, but you could hear it. And I think that was the, the most nerve wracking part of being at the top is um, not seeing the volcano, but, but hearing it in all its, uh, 
Roaring Glory. Um, so tell me, would, would you think of the volcano? Was it like how you anticipated it? Or is that your first volcano? That's my first active volcano I think uh, I've seen. I mean, um, Akatenango, thankfully yeah. dormant, but right across the way, Mount Fuego, or Volcano uh, Fuego. Fuego. Yes. Fuego erupting. I had never heard anything like that. It was like thunder on steroids. It was it was like thunder in in base. Like the subwoofers like right behind you at all times. But the mountain, though we could see it, it was pretty far away or close. I, I don't even know how how uh close they were in comparison, but either way, like you could you could see it clearly, but it was um it was almost like I could feel it in my chest. It was it I was, I felt the ground shaking. I I like I felt a vibration in my feet every time that volcano went off and lava was spewing out in the air. And it sounded yeah. like it could have been an explosion. I've never heard one of those, but. Yeah, I, it's like in hindsight, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I don't know, knowing what I know now, um, if I hike that volcano again, definitely like a once in a lifetime experience for me, but something I definitely, um, and the, the thing about the volcano as well is there are people all different types of people on the mountain in terms of like uh, athleticism. Like I think even a couple people are like chain smoking up the mountain. So I, so I feel like it was, um, though it was difficult, it was definitely doable at your own pace kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. So um, after, so after we hiked the volcano, I think the next time I saw you was on the lake, uh, Lake Atalan. Um, yeah. and, and we had that day over, over in San Marcos, we we jumped off the cliff. We was we was listening to music. It was definitely a vibe. Um, how did you find out uh, about San Marcos and uh, what, what was the host hostel you said? Free Cerveza. I was at Free Cerveza, free beer after six p.m. Unlimited free beer. <laughs> yeah, that place yeah. that place was wild, and you were sleeping in tents. I was, I stayed there for one night. Uh, it was uh, it was right on the water too. It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful hostel. Absolutely beautiful hostel. No, it was uh, one of my, one of the favorite ones on my trip, and it was all eco friendly. That was kind of their um, a marketing strategy, if you will. Yeah, the the compost toilets. Once you see one and you use one, you never forgot. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely definitely was uh, an interesting to say the least. Um, so. So we go from we go from San Marcos, jumping off the cliff, and I think next time I saw you again, I think this is our last stop together was uh, Samuk uh, Samuk Champay. Um, I think there we did different tour days, so I mo mostly just saw you in the hostel. Uh, just give me. I think that the the Zephyr Lodge that where we stayed was one of the most unique hostels I've ever stayed in. I think they. Talking about free Cerveza, the the compare and contrast for the two of them, really different. But uh, I guess just give me your thoughts on uh, your stay at uh, the Zephyr Lodge and and Smoke Champagne as a whole. Yeah, well, the Zephyr Lodge, it was um, you know it definitely had uh, a certain party atmosphere at night that it could just you know it was a place you could go to really relax in the daytime, sit by the pool go to the hot tub, have a few drinks with your friends. And then at night, once the music starts and the drinking games start, it was just skyrocketing into one yeah. of the best parties, you know? Yeah, the, 
the tab system was, was dangerous. I, I've never opened a tab at a hostel before, but it was a, a dangerous combination. <laughs> absolutely shocked Bill when I left because yeah, I've yeah. never started to tab myself. Um, but having looking back at that, it was just crazy because you know you're having a good time, you just go drink after drink, and then yeah, all your food as well, and then boom, it's like five days of hotel meals, drinks, and just having fun. Yeah, I like to cool. yeah, I like to call that place a backpackers paradise, but like it was definitely definitely an interesting one to say the least. So after Samuk, we parted ways. I think I went to Belize after that, but um, I remember you telling me this story in in Samuk, but tell me um before you before you climb that tetanango you're in you're in guatemala city tell me how you got to uh antigua from there <laughs> tell me that story i think that was probably one of the scariest moments of my life uh i started off in el salvador um i was in santa Ana. Uh, you know just a, it's a really small cultural town uh got on a bus and you know there weren't that many people who spoke english really well and so they said, yeah, this goes to Guad this bus goes to Guatemala City. It'll drop you off in zone 17. And there will be buses and, and cabs to take you to Antigua. So I'm on this bus. I'm on this bus for 12 hours, 13 hours maybe. We get there. It's pitch black. It's so dark. Um, it's what time it's did you get to Guatemala City? I got there, I think I think I got there at about 9 p.m. 9 p.m. at night. Okay. I had left like early in the morning from El Salvador. And when we arrived, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a big bus hub. It wasn't like there was, you know, an airport close by or, you know, malls, restaurants, hotels. This was like the ghetto. Yeah. I had never been in a place like this. Shanty houses, bars on all the, all the windows. Um, sometimes like iron metal doors that looked like it was the entrance to the safe. And I got out there and once the you know the cabs kind of picked up uh people who were coming off the bus and i said no i'm gonna go find a restaurant and you know just get like an uber i'm gonna find my way to antigua i'm not gonna get gouged up by a taxi driver yeah and so there was nothing around it was just kind of a ghetto and i was walking the streets with my backpack i was cold i didn't realize how high up in the mountains Guatemala yeah was. i think that was one thing I wasn't ready for either because I stayed at night in Guatemala City. Extremely cold at night. I was so high up. I'm coming out of El Salvador with my shorts, my tank, and I'm freezing. I feel like I'm back home in Canada. And um, nothing's open, no Wi-Fi. And I'm just trying to get my way out of town to Antigua. Um, and so I kept on looking for a way, a way to get there, a bus. I kept on waiting for a cab to go by. Nothing came. Um, like I said, I couldn't, my cellular wasn't working. I couldn't get an Uber. So, um, you know, I, I kept on going up to these, this random group of, uh, people. Um, I, there was this guy with a motorcycle and, um, you know, he, he was kind of laughing with his friends. Um, I heard him say the word gringo just, yeah. uh, you know, and how good's your Spanish? Oh, awful. I, 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 I only, <laughs> yeah. Poco. So, this guy, his name was uh, Jonathan. He, you know, he must have felt so bad for me. He put me on his motorcycle and he drove me all the way through this ghetto in Guatemala City, Zone 17. Drove me all the way to the, the other side of the city, pulled over on a gas station, 
hailed a cab for me, negotiated a like locals rate to Antigua. And, you know, we, we, I hugged, I hugged them and um, they put me in the cab and we just went on, I went on my way to Antigua, but, you know, on our way there, I had never met this guy and we were cruising on his, I was on the back of his motorcycle. Yeah. Just, just let me just hop on a stranger's motorcycle. (laughs) Never met him before. And, you know, he doesn't really speak the best English. I don't speak the best Spanish. He just understood I needed to get to Antigua. And he took me through these back alleys on the back of his motorcycle. And for a moment, I was thinking, this is it. This is how yeah. I go. You know, at any moment, I'm going to get, I'm going to get mugged. He's going to pull over. I'm going to get mugged. Something bad's going to happen. But it, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, I just, I had a, I had a feeling that this was a good guy. And I just trusted my instincts. And, you know, he was, he got me to where I needed to go. And I was so ever thankful because, yeah, he messaged me when I got to Antigua and he said, you were in a very dangerous place. Um, you shouldn't be in zone 17 at night. Yeah, that that's uh, that man really more or less saved your life. I think that's to date probably one of the craziest things I've ever heard traveling. Um, and um, so I remember, I remember you telling me before uh, he recently reached out to you again. Yeah, so I, you know, I know that um, Guatemala heavily reliant on tourism, um, and he works, I guess, in the he, as a some sort of tour guide in the area. And he reached out to me on WhatsApp, and he said, "Hey Matt, um, this COVID nineteen pandemic is really hard on tourism. I'm not getting any money. I'm not getting paid. Um, I can barely feed my family. I can't feed my kid. I can't feed my girlfriend." Um, and he just said, do you think you could send me $20 and I will pay you back? He didn't, you know, and I, th- I sat there thinking about it. And to me, it was no question. I was going to, yeah, I was, of course, this guy did something to, for me as a stranger that, you know, it completely made me rethink what I would do and how I treat other people. Um, I said, I reached out to my family and said, look, this guy, this guy saved my life. I was, I was trapped in the ghetto in Guatemala. I was, I was scared and I had nowhere to go and I was in a bad place and he didn't have to help me. And I think this guy saved my life. So, you know, he's having a hard time in Guatemala. I'm going to send him some money. If you guys want to pitch in, like, please pitch in. So we sent him about 80 us and, um, I sent it to Western Union in Guatemala City and he, he got the money and he messaged me and he said, Hey, like, I, I don't think I can pay you back for this. This is, this is way more than what I asked for. And I said, no, this is, this is a gift. You, you saved my life. I told my entire like family. The least you could do. That's, that's beautiful, man. And it's so, uh, it's karma. It's, yeah, man. It, the good, the good karma comes back too. So it's like, shout out to that guy. Uh, but so, so, Yes, that that was a scary situation. But tell me, has uh, do you think is there something you could have done to prevent, you know, just pulling up in Zone Seventeen by yourself with, uh, you know, no cell reception? Yeah, honestly, I know having lived that experience, um, I think I think I would honestly never want that to happen to me again. I would try to research a bit more, but to be perfectly fair when I left El Salvador um 
I had done as much research as I could um, by talking to the locals and just, you know, I, I kind of trusted them and said, is there going to be a safe way to Antigua? And they said, they said, yes, there will be taxis there. And you know what? They were not wrong. There were, I was, I was just kind of being a bit cheap. I was looking for yeah. like an Uber or a bus or something. I didn't want to pay a cab for an hour ride to the town next over, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like as and a backpacker, that's just like the frame of mind. It's like, oh, airport taxi is expensive. Let me just go a little bit. It's like the general rule of thumb. Um, and that could have, and, you know, pinching pennies, that could have really, that could have cost me my life, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the only place where I went wrong is, uh, you know, here, the broke backpacker. You're looking to save a few bucks here and there. And that's how you stay out traveling a bit longer. Um, yeah. That makes sense, man. Well, of course, I'm I'm more than ecstatic that you made it through that. Did that change your perception on like safety or change your perception on like, uh, like, have you ever had any like similar encounters? Um, Honestly, no, I don't think I've, I've ever been in the situation, uh, you know, like that. The thing that I guess, and that's a big difference between uh, Central America and uh, I guess going to Southeast Asia is in Southeast Asia, you know, everybody is dying to learn English. They want to learn English. That's, that's a way to get a job in tourism. That's a way to get out of poverty. Central America, Latin America, you know, these are all numerous and populated countries they all speak spanish they have their own sort of domestic tourism within it the need to speak yeah. english it's english it doesn't was, really have much <laughs> it doesn't that was one thing i realized from southeast asia to central america is that the standard in southeast asia was english so it was a little easier to get around in, in central america if you don't for the most part like speak spanish or don't understand what they're saying because some places they don't even I don't want to say they don't try to speak English but it I guess it's more people that come through speak Spanish type of thing and that's just absolutely. again the standard absolutely yeah and um yeah I never I never knew if uh you know they didn't they didn't want to speak English to me or they just wanted me to speak Spanish yeah I think um I don't know it's mixed between the two <laughs> but uh so com some compare Guatemala to, I guess, some some of the other countries you've been to in terms of safety. Uh, what is it more on the safer, dangerous side? Um, yeah, I honestly, I felt safe um, the entire time in, in Central America. Things were different in terms of culture and um, you one might say economy a lot of these a lot of these people you came across um you know just walking the streets um walking through the paths uh in towns you know you come across a lot of people who um are farmers a lot of these places um have agricultural areas and um you know as such they carry their tools and so one of them is machete yeah. a lot of the time just be walking down the street and um, you know, you'll, you'll meet, um, some guy from, uh, I guess I'm assuming a farm and he has his food stand and yeah, he's got a machete out cause that's just the tools they use. But to us, you know, yep. Americans, Canadians, that might be really threatening at first, but you know, that's just, that's part of their culture too. So I think there's an initial culture shock and then you realize that, you know what, it's, this is, this is kind of the standard. This is, you know, 
Yeah, that's just, uh, you know, they, they got tools. And even sometimes when you see people like offloading, say, like supplies to like a bar, like cargo truck type of thing, they'll have, uh, they'll have some have some strapped to their back while they're doing it and it's, again it's another one of those things that's just like it's there but it's like it, people are nice and friendly it's always like in a non-threatening manner you just kind of got to get used to it yeah and you know they're some of honestly the central americans i met nicaragua el salvador guatemala they were some of the kindest people that i had met on my travels yeah um, I, I could say the same. I think between, I went to Guatemala, Belize, and Mexico, but again, in Guatemala, Belize, and Mexico, like literally some of the nicest people. Um, I think I went to one hostel and the lady almost felt motherly, like to everyone, just will help you speak English or help you speak Spanish. Like, we'll talk with you, teach with you. It's like food suggestions. It was like, oh please like the hospitality is just, this is a little too much almost um how how do you think growing up in canada uh molded or shaped your view towards travel and uh, i guess just give you the idea or the confidence to just up and go to the philippines or up and go to el salvador like when, when we travel what are like types of groups of people we see we see a lot of dutch people we see a lot of uh, English people see a lot of Canadian people, like um, a, lot, a lot of German people, a lot of Australians. Uh, I think that was like the most of the demographic I got from like Central America. Yeah, easily. I don't. I think I. You know, I said earlier, but like I, I feel like a big part of it is being in, being in Canada. We don't get to see our own our own country. It's just yeah. it's too expensive. There's too much of it. Um, and the United States is, is right there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's culturally, there are some similarities. Geographically, it's very, very similar in some parts. Um, but it's just the world is so vastly different outside of that. Um, Nicaragua, it's like a tropical paradise. Guatemala. Yeah. You know, same thing. You have these different places. The um, out on the west end. What's that um, surf town on the beach? Do you uh, it? Ooh, El Paradon. El Paradon. Yes, I didn't go, but yeah, surf town. I heard it was a good time. Like it was a, yeah, you know, like a vibe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, like, I went to San Juan and Nicaragua, and the people I met said that El Paradon was, you know, so much similar to that. And it's like it's a hot beach surfs up great yeah. time to vibe and then you go up to um you know akatenango and you suddenly you're in the alpine hiking it's very diverse landscape very diverse there's such a diversity um of experiences and, and land when you just look outside of the north american bubble outside of you know the united states and even canada just these experiences that you could have um it's just nothing like back home, you know? Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, and uh, we talk about the types of, like, uh, most of the nationalities you see when we travel. I I neglected to say that the one type of people you don't see is Americans, of course. And I guess uh, I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out the answer. I'm trying. Hopefully, we can encourage more Americans to travel and you know travel properly, travel 
uh, in a way that's beneficial to you and the, the people's land you're, you're going to go see. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, you always get, from my perspective, you always get two types of Americans. You get people like me and then you get um, whoever the guy is in Antigua that we saw on the first day. Um, that guy. Yeah. He's from Texas. He was from, from Texas. Texas. <laughs> and man, was he a boozer? Five yeah. in the morning, seven in the morning, noon. He always had a Mickey of tequila in his hand. Yeah, he was an interesting fellow, to say the least. Yeah, so, and love to talk about himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's for sure. So give me, give me some outlooks. Um, I know traveling is um, kind of on pause, on play, not something we should be doing. I'm sure you, of course, know uh, all the, the dangers of, of coronavirus, but I think, um, like, again, 2020 is uh, reconceptualized how we need to think about travel and how we need to, I guess, travel slower um, for, for everyone's safety. Uh, are there, like, any trips you have planned uh, in the future? Or, like, in 2020, were you able to get out the house and do some hikes? How did uh, traveling change for you? Well, traveling 2020, it uh, definitely became more domestic. You know, I I booked a flight to Nepal for October and uh, didn't get to go. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, I had flights uh, for in March to go to Peru um, to go see Machu Picchu, yeah. and those trips all had to be canceled. Um, but you know, the the nice thing is that uh, I got to I got to explore my own home um, a bit better than how I knew it before 2020. Uh, I live on Vancouver Island and there's, there's so many, so many hikes throughout the entire island. Um, you know, we had one of Canada's tallest waterfalls, uh, Della Falls, and I got to go hike to the bottom of that. And that was a phenomenal experience. And- So, um, so uh, dive into that a little more. So tell me, Della Falls, I've never been. Um, and you said you hiked to the bottom, which sounds more, sounds, sounds trekish, but uh, tell me about it. Okay. So yeah, um, Della Falls, it's Canada's tallest waterfall. Uh, a lot of people think right. of Niagara Falls, but fact check me on this. This is Canada's tallest waterfall. And um, it's in our backyard, but it's remote. And so not a lot of people go there just because of how remote it is. So well, um, what we had to do is we had to drive about three hours north of Victoria, uh, which okay. is the capital of British Columbia, um, to a small town called Port Alberni, where we got on a boat uh, and we chartered a basically just a boatman, a private guy. Uh, sorry, um, we chartered a boat from Port Alberni on Great Central Lake uh, to go from one end of the lake to the other end of the lake. And when we dropped us off at the, end of the, the other end of the lake, uh, we were in the Strathcona Park, which is a massive provincial park, but where we entered could only be reached by boat or float plane. And so there's no service, there's no facilities, there's no, no structures, it's wow. just forest. And so we walked, uh, we hiked probably, I think, 15K to get, the, get to the uh, base of the waterfall. And uh, on the way, we had to take a, uh, there was a cable car that went uh, across a, a big ravine. Um, and we had to load up our bags uh, with one person, send them across, send the cable car back, go back and forth with our and group. Just one at a time? 
just one at a time yeah wow two if there weren't any bags maybe um yeah so we it was it was just absolute remote wilderness um you know it's like it's like the canadian wilderness you see in in movies that picture you know uh the pacific north northwest is this unexplored territory it was it was just like that we saw wolf tracks we saw bear tracks didn't see any of the animals in the flesh but um, it was just an unreal experience it's it's something i never knew that we had in in our backyard awesome Uh, so it was it was just a entirely new experience to get into hiking to get into the backcountry and just to see more of of Canada. That's dope, man. So did you, did you camp there? Was it like a day hike? How long did it take in total? So, uh, it being remote, um, we, what do you mean when you say remote? When I, when I say remote, I mean, um, no cell service. Um, so you, if you get injured out there and need to call for help, you're using a sat phone. Um, when we, when we scheduled our trip with, uh, the boatman, we said, we want you to drop us off here and we want to spend three days out here. So come back and pick us up in three days at this time. So we're expected to go out there and be back for pickup at a certain time. And then if you, if you run out of supplies, uh, you have to live off the land type of thing. Damn. That sounds like uh, making it afraid or something. <laughs> I guess you got clothes yeah. on, but oh, still. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, um, you know, just uh, me, 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 and we're X marks the spot at uh, 0300 hours. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. You have this uh, plan made well in advance, and it's it was nice to disconnect from from society. You didn't have yeah, absolutely. It was nice to you know you planned your trip. You everything you you had to pack in, pack out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you brought you, you planned all your meals in advance, um, and yeah, we we didn't really know where we would end up camping. We just figured we'd find a spot somewhere on the trail or just at the base of the waterfall, and we did. Oh, that's and, awesome um make a little fire yeah, yeah exactly that's the way to up. do it so so tell me about disconnecting because i'm a huge advocate for just immersing yourself in nature every once in a while disconnect from society that kind of thing i think there's something very very tranquil about you know just nature being all around you and you know hearing leaves crunch and trees fall and birds chirping so tell me tell me i guess what's uh your relationship with nature and um, some of your favorite parts about it. You know, my, my favorite part about um, being out in nature is just the organic experience that you're having with your friends, with, um, you know, the trees, all the flora and fauna around you, um, all this. And part of like why I like hiking remote is just everything is undeveloped. Everything is, how it was in its natural state besides just a trail going through there. Um, and then having no cell service as well, just nobody can contact you. You're just there without distraction. Um, That's awesome. It's, you get to connect with, you know, your friends who are around you, you get to connect with the land um, and just the pure beauty. There's no smog in there there's no uh, clean air breathing yeah. real good <laughs> yeah, exactly there's no there's no Instagram blowing up yeah. your, you know, your phone you're absolutely genuinely present in the moment and you are for your entire trip and and to me there's just something that's so pure and um you know enjoyable yeah. i feel you man 
Absolutely. So uh, you mentioned being present, but uh, I guess looking forward to 2021. Happy New Year. Um, and yeah. do you have any travel plans for 2021? What do you, um, I, I guess from, from a medical perspective, what's your outlook on travel moving forward? Travel moving forward, you know, there are right now certain places where you can go with a little bit of hoops. Like now Canadians can go to Hawaii if we get a negative negative COVID swab within three yeah. days of depending on a flight. But, um, you know, to be honest for myself, I, 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 I feel like we have a sort of ethical responsibility to um, be at home and not put anyone else at risk. We're young, we have healthy immune systems. Um, I don't want to be an asymptomatic character. Uh, sorry. Asymptomatic I don't want to be carrier. Yeah. COVID-19 carrier and infect somebody on, you know, in Hawaii, takes it home to their innocent grandma and, you know, they get sick, maybe they die. You know, yeah. so for, for me going forward, I'm not doing any travel until I'm vaccinated. Um, and I think when we are vaccinated, it's going to look entirely different uh, in terms of travel. I think we're going to be going to um, vaccine passports, similar to mm -hmm. yellow fever. Uh, you know, the yellow fever is in parts of Latin America, parts of Africa. And, you know, you get, you travel with your passport, but then you also get a uh, vaccine passport. And to enter these countries, you have to be vaccinated. And if you're not, sometimes they'll either turn you away or they'll vaccinate you on the spot and let you know the country. So I'm thinking, possibly in the future, we might be turning to that with a COVID-19 vaccine passport. Yeah, um, that's, uh, yeah, World Health Organization had kind of talked about that at the very beginning of the pandemic and said, you know, this is this is too early and we don't know how much immunity you're going to have once you're vaccinated. So I can see uh, vaccine passports being a thing. Another big issue that I, I, I kind of worry about in selecting where you're going to travel, and this is really going to affect, I think, a lot of us who are backpackers and appreciate going to poorer countries, is um, the allocation and distribution of vaccines. Uh, yeah. Poorer countries, Cambodia um, is one I'm really worried about. Other no, places, Guatemala too, and Nicaragua, these countries aren't known to be extremely wealthy, like the US or, um, you know, yeah, countries in the or, EU. Yeah. These countries are gonna have a hard time procuring the vaccines. I think part of that's gonna be due to cost and then um, also due to whatever contracts they may have had with any pharmaceutical companies to, you know, uh, fund research. Like Canada, um, they've, made contracts with say Pfizer, they funded some of their research. So um, part of the deal was that they would be entitled to some of the vaccines, um, you know, closer in line. Yeah. Um, yeah, so these poor countries, I am worried that they're not gonna be able to procure enough vaccines in 2021 to safely vaccinate their population and make herd immunity effective. So- Yeah, in order to be able to travel there and not, put people in what like widespread danger type of thing absolutely yeah absolutely and you look at a country like cambodia too they still haven't really recovered from the cambodian genocide and yeah they don't, even have, they don't have cold storage transports you know like uh uh you know we see semi trucks that have just 
a little kind of AC box at the front um, turns the temperature down. They don't have that. As yeah. In Asia. So I am worried about these poor countries. I am worried about what that will mean for backpackers and traveling to these places. I, I completely agree with you, man. I'm definitely worried. I'm, I'm staying home until until further notice, until everything kind of settles down a little bit. But um, Matt, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, I, I appreciate you coming on the pod. Uh, for anyone listening, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can like, subscribe, uh, and you can catch this podcast on all streaming platforms.